Welcome to the You, Me and the GP radio show, a health exercise and nutrition show for over 40s who want to get back to their best. Discover how to keep yourself fit, healthy and full of energy. Each week, your hosts Rich Clark and Dr. Mark Daniels will answer your questions and interview special guests. Rich Clark is an exercise scientist and nutritionist who helps over 40s thrive, not just survive in today's busy world. Dr. Mark Daniels is a practicing GP with 25 years experience. He's had notable success with his patients using simple dietary changes rather than medication to provide improvements. Living in Wales with their families, they see the effect poor health has on people on a daily basis and how easily it can be turned around. Sit back and enjoy our tips and advice. Okay, in true style, it's me and the doc, and we're ready to rock. It's another episode of You, Me and the GP. We're coming live from Clanridian Holiday Park in South Wales, and we got 55 half-drunk people uh, all sitting around tables here. So, Mark, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. What sort of day have you had, Mark? Excellent. Played golf this morning, exercise this afternoon, then good company this evening. Okay, you start with the first question. Okay. This must be from a doctor. Terrible writing. Oh. <laughs> Eating habits. Which is better? Little and often versus three set meals. Thank you. Can we start? Um, we, in our sort of ancestry, we, we didn't eat little and often. We tended to eat when there was a glut, and then we sort of had nothing to eat for a couple of days, and we had a glut, etc. We're not designed to eat snacks, small amounts of food. Every time you get a snack, you, you raise your insulin. You suppose you have a, a some crackers and cheese, you raise your insulin, then you have a meal, you raise your insulin, you do something else, two hours later, you raise your insulin. If you have a period of time when you don't eat, your insulin will go down, that way you will lose weight. If you eat snacks constantly, you will gain weight. That's as simple as that, really. Yeah, the traditional uh, way that, as you say, people would eat when I used to give up diets eight years ago or ten years ago, I used to say that people eat six small meals a day. And now I'm telling people to eat three meals a day. So I suppose whatever works. If it works for you, great. But, you know, generally, if you look on a weight loss person, not, you know, every three hours, definitely. But for me, I have to eat every three hours. I like a grumpy. <laughs> the, um, on the table over there, we were talking about how I eat. I tend to eat what's called intermittent fasting, which is I eat my last meal, at, last food at 8 o'clock at night, and I don't eat until 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So anyone who says breakfast is God, don't, don't believe them. You don't have to eat breakfast. I eat in an 8-hour feeding window. It means that my insulin sensitivity goes up, my growth hormone goes up, my testosterone goes up, and anyone who's over 50 will think, yeah, I need some testosterone. So yeah, testosterone goes up, your growth hormone, and your insulin sensitivity. So uh, intermittent fasting is an excellent way of of keeping those things in check. So, and even if you're young, they're, they're, it's a very good way. Some people could do it, some people can't. If you're going to try intermittent fasting, give it three days before you think, I can't do this. Because it takes about three days for your hunger to go away for the, for the morning. And it is, if you're busy, a lot of people would think, oh, I skipped lunch, skipped breakfast, sorry. And they think, I can't, I can't cope with this. But no, it works. And it's really good for weight loss. Great. And next question. Not quite sure all these questions are because I forgot to ask people to put their names and ages on them, but it's all cool. Okay, next question. Can a degenerated disc in the lower back, I'm presuming here in the back, become more healthy and repair through correct diet and exercise? The, the, the disc won't repair. 
um, but it, it can get better. Now, the exercise and the muscles around it need to be strengthened and the inflammation needs to be reduced and you can have now, Mark will know more about this, uh, the injections uh, to yeah. refill the discs. Um, do you want to talk about that? Not even the work podcast. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can, you can have, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of uh, proof that you can fix a disc. I mean, as you heard earlier, I um, I lost, I had a disc that had to be removed and I had another one replaced with a polypropylene disc. So, yes, if you've got a degenerative disc, if you've got, they're always any spinal, then no one's going to replace those. But if you've got a few, they can be replaced with polypropylene and your actual bone sort of goes in and fills that polypropylene and you get a, a new disc, basically. So, uh, yeah, you can replace them. You can have injections to help them. But if you look after yourself, eat correctly, exercise correctly, those degenerative discs shouldn't be a problem. I mean, it's much more of a problem if you have um, thinning bones than if you have thinning discs. Great, and somebody's jaws just dropped over here, that uh, that's possible, yeah? We're not aware of that. That's great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, I know it is somebody else, but it's really good because I know so many of us have little back problems, you and I, Amanda, included. Okay, next questions. Are some benefits for weight gain through weight training, i.e. muscle growth? Is muscle growth bad for your health, i.e. too much weight? Okay, so is the high-protein diet to get muscle growth? Is that what you're asking? So is a high-protein diet unhealthy? I go first. Uh, yes, if you are doing it for more than nine months, and if, it depends. Like define high protein would be two hundred grams of protein a day uh, for me. Um, so um, four or five meals of forty grams of protein that's excessive. Forty grams of protein is like chicken and breast and a half, large one. So yeah, if you do that for nine months, it's tough for your body to digest, and you start producing inflammation as a result of eating the protein. If you're going to eat a high protein diet, you need to combine it with a high raw food diet because in cooked meat, there are not many digestive enzymes, which is that's what helps you to digest the meat through your body. So cooked food or high protein diets can be stressful in the short term. Um, you know, it's okay. Mark, what do you say? Um, I always tell people no more than one gram of protein per lean body mass. So, I mean, it's if you're, yeah. One, one, one gram per protein per pound or lean body fat. Yeah. Is this my card? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, also, you want to, if you're eating high protein, you want to have high fat with it as well, because fat has got all your digestive, it's got all the vitamins and the things that help you digest the protein. So, to be perfectly honest, if you eat a, uh, one gram per pound of lean body mass, it will make you bulk up if you want to bulk. You don't need to eat any more than that because you, you basically just pee it out, otherwise, and you put your kidneys under a bit of strain. The only time I've ever seen a high protein diet cause a problem is when someone was on creatine powders and he was a, a, a 51 year old Welsh champion uh, uh, powerlifter and he was eating vast amounts of creatine and vast amounts of chicken and he, he ended up causing a lot of problems with his kidneys. But other than that, it's not a huge problem. I mean, the real problem is eating too much carbohydrate and eating too much protein. Okay, final question um, for young Mr. Tomlin here. Is it important to replace carbohydrates such as dextrose immediately after training? If you're looking to lose weight, no. If you're not looking to lose weight, yes. Yeah? Okay. Next question. Nice handwriting. Is red wine good or bad for you, or is it just a glass of sugar? I heard people say 
uh, a doc that uh, said, don't drink more red wine by the glass, drink it by the bottle. What do you think about that? <laughs> do as I say, not what I do. Anyway, um, I would say that it, red wine has got this big thing that it gives you uh, antioxidants, etc. To get the actual dose you need, you have to drink 780 bottles. <laughs> so anyone who can do that, you have to go back to them, right? But no, I mean, it's not a, it's not a huge, great health benefit, red wine over white wine. Drink whichever one. Wine is better than beer. Cider is better than beer. But other than that, you know, they're, they're, all, they're, they're all fructose by other names, as I said before. But with benefits. Great. Uh, next question, Mark did actually answer sometimes you miss stuff. People have asked me uh, about the slides and whatnot. We can't give you the slides, but we give you um, a summary of what we spoke about in both presentations, okay? Uh, next question is the one which we've answered, but it's what, am, what about gluten-free oats? Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, gluten-free oats, fine. Um, if you're struggling for breakfast, a lot of people struggle for breakfast because breakfast is, 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 is traditionally it's cereal or toast, so both of those are bad. Um, oats is a, is a better alternative, but if you're trying to lose weight, it will raise your insulin, so it will make you fatter. But it is a slow-release um, carbohydrate, so if you have to eat a carbohydrate, you can't face eating eggs or bacon or, like I do, I eat pate in the morning without any toast. Um, you can eat oats, but gluten-free oats, yes, they're, they're fine, but they will slow your weight loss. Okay, good. And I like this one. Bit of a dig at GPs, that's what I did. How can we improve <coughs> GPs education in providing advice regarding exercise and nutrition, or what is being done, Dr. Mark? It is difficult because um, You're diplomatic. No, no, I think GPs do an ex ex excellent job. I mean, there's no doubt that if you're ill, they'll sort you out. But when it comes to people who want some advice about diet, they want some advice about how they can make themselves better, the GP may have a person with a child with query meningitis, a person with chest pain, a person who may be having a stroke, and then someone comes in, I feel a bit under the weather, and he thinks, well, I've got 10 minutes, how am I going to deal with you? So, it is difficult in a 10-minute consultation to deal with someone who's worried well. That's, I mean, that's one of the main reasons why I started Revolutionary Health, because we could deal with people who've got chronic problems that a GP cannot deal with in a 10-minute consultation. That's the most diplomatic act. So the microphone, I'm going to go to the kitchen. Hey, everybody on the podcast is going to be like, what the hell are you doing? Next question. I eat a lot of carbs, grains and starches, as I don't like any fruit or veg. How can I improve my diet? Mark? Um, if you don't like fruit and veg, it's not a huge problem. You can get supplements that do fruit and veg, but really, if you, if you don't like, if you want to, if you don't like carbs, you, you, you've had it. I mean, you cannot just eat carbs. It's just, it's, there's no such thing as an essential carbohydrate. There's no food carbohydrate that is essential. There's essential fats and there's essential proteins, and you have to eat them. I mean, meat has got all the essential proteins, and fat like butter has got all the essential fats. But there's no essential carbohydrates. So if you don't, if you want to, if you want to get rid of your carbohydrates, but want to eat healthily, you've got to up your fat. So you've got to eat butter. I mean, when Ralph, when Ralph went to the North Pole, he took butter with him because it was the most nutrient dense food he could take. And yeah, well, chocolate's carbohydrates and fat. But anyway, 
he you need to eat fat, you need to eat good fats, coconut oil, anything with coconut in it is a fantastic food. So if you don't like um, fruit and veg, eat some coconut, eat some butter, um, eat meat, eat fish, eat eggs, all those things are good for you. You won't lose out if you don't eat any carbohydrates. Uh, on that, I just say, if you don't like any fruit or veg, you need to get some counselling. And no, no, on a serious note now, as you say, it's sort of, um, not because you're a nutter, but you need some food counselling, and there's people out there, if you contact me, I can put you in touch with a food counsellor who can attempt to address the issues you have with food, because to not like any fruit or any veg isn't normal, as you're probably already aware. Um, and, you know, that's where it needs to start. In your mind, that's where this process would start, okay, in my opinion. Next question. The food is coming out, everybody. Ooh, very nice. Is the new Coke life drink better for you? Oh, of course. It's bound to be better, not. Mark, try not to swear, but answer that one. Is the new Coke life very better for you with its natural sweetener? It's a good, good question. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I'm not sure what the actual sweetener is. It's stevia? It's stevia, is it? Stevia, I think, is 130 times as sweet as sugar. Something like that. It's, 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 oh, that's sugar. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the sweetness is, is a, a, ma a massive magnitude stronger than sugar. So, from the talk I gave earlier, if you've got something that's really sweet, it's going to promote an insulin response. So in other words, your body can't tell the between stevia at 130 times, approximately, I'm not sure the exact number, and sugar. So it's 130 times as sweet. So you're going to get an insulin response of a magnitude of 130 times as much. So in other words, you're going to produce a load of insulin. It's going to clear out all the sugar out of your bloodstream. You're then going to feel very, very hungry. And you're going to want some more food. So basic problem with diet drinks is you're going to feel hungry very quickly after a diet drink. So don't touch it. Drink some of this stuff. It's about your water. Oh, you want to get this then? Okay, I... Let me just see. Can I put one to the slide? Okay, somebody asked a question about the presentation I give. Why is carrying weights reducing the chances of having a heart attack? Okay, so this might not mean a lot to the listeners of the podcast, but for every year at the seminar, I give a, a bit of a research that was brought out earlier on where heart attack patients walked on a treadmill with weights and without weights and they were able to walk faster with the weights as opposed to without the weight. The reason for that is it reduces something called preload on the heart. So these things called preload and afterload, they're like the pre and post pressure that the heart feels. So if they basically through carrying the dumbbells in their hands, they had pressure in the upper torso. So when they were walking and they had pressure in their hands, then this is great to be able to walk around and talk. Right? Um, and that um, maintained an even pressure between below the upper and the lower body. Whereas when they just walked, all the blood would go to the legs and then they would be hard pumping it back up all the time. The heart is trying to pump it back up. If you're carrying the weights, it's keeping some blood in your arms and stuff. Does that kind of make a bit of sense? Yeah? Okay. Next question. Oh, thank you. I have a colostomy bag. I would love to know what type of exercise I can do. I haven't got a clue initially is my immediate response, but <clears throat> to use logic in this, okay, if you've got something like a bag, then it's a bit of trial and error to go on. There's obvious things that you won't be doing, like sit-ups and, and things like that. 
Um, but yeah, it's about trying stuff and then sort of improving them. I bet you've got more experience than this. Yeah, I don't think there's any restrictions. I don't think I don't think there's any restrictions whatsoever. If you've got cross your bags, people who've got cross your bags know how to handle. They know the problems. That the actual pressure to the sit-ups will not affect the costing bag. No. No. So I don't, I don't think there's any restrictions at all. I mean, there are some things you may not want to do. You, you know, swimming is a bit more difficult, etc. But, but even so, you can still do these things. So I don't think there's any restriction. You can certainly do almost any exercise. Great. That's um, learning along along the way here as usual. Okay, that one's been asked. That one's been asked. Okay, I'm on statins for cholesterol, but I'm also taking an omega-3 supplement. Is it okay? Uh, yes, to take the omega-3 supplement. And if you want to continue taking your statin, I'd also take what's called coenzyme Q10, because statins deplete um, CoTEN. That's right, Mark, isn't it? Okay, Mark, want to have a look at that one? Yeah, I mean, it all depends what you're taking the statin for. I mean, if you're taking... The, the, the evidence switches around. Yeah, because of high cholesterol. I mean, if you take statins for high cholesterol and you have a high a cholesterol that's below eight before you started, and there's no other risk factors, you should not be on a cholesterol. Above eight, no. If you have a cholesterol, if you have a cholesterol above eight, no, no. If you have a cholesterol above eight, you may have familial hypercholesterolemia, in which case it's a totally, it's totally different. If you had a cholesterol between five and eight. And you have no other risk factors. In other words, you haven't got diabetes, heart disease, stroke. You shouldn't be on a cholesterol tablet. This person also has high blood pressure. Yeah, high blood pressure alone is, is not. Yeah, high blood pressure alone is a minor risk. I mean, I would be more tempted to get rid of the high uh, control the high blood pressure before you put them on a statin. Statins and high blood pressure is not a, a huge risk. So I, I wouldn't. I would you know, high cholesterol. Sorry, high cholesterol and statins is not a huge risk. So I would, I would, I'm talking about going to high blood pressure and uh, cholesterol, high cholesterol is not a huge risk. A heart disease, stroke, diabetes, yes, they are a, a risk and possibly should be on statins. I'm not absolutely convinced you should be on statins, but I could possibly be up for GMC if I say don't do statins. Yeah, you've got to be careful on the sack now for the next two or three years, is it? Okay, <clears throat> on a weekly basis, it's a bit vague, but uh, you know, um, on a weekly basis, what foods, good foods, would you include in your shopping basket, and which would you recommend uh, if someone has a low in income? Okay, seasonal, local, um, uh, vegetables, um, go to your butchers because it's cheaper than Tesco's. We've spoken about this on a podcast, but Obviously, there's plenty of cuts of meat which are equally as nourishing, but half the price of something like steak, um, mince and stew and steak and things that got exactly the same nourishment, uh, but uh, can be double uh, the price per pound or kilo. So, um, <clears throat> food it shouldn't be a cost. It's quite cheap to to eat healthily. Okay, so there's also on my blog. Go on, and there's a pod and a, a blog post on there which names, I don't know whether it's 18 or 20 foods which you don't need to buy organic. Okay, so there's lots of good food out there you can get, which doesn't have to be organic or anything like that, and you can have all the benefits from it, but local, seasonal, is my advice, Mark. Yeah, I mean, meat is the most expensive thing, obviously. And I, I, I'm a great advocate of things like liver. I mean, I think liver is the most nutritious food you could possibly eat. 
I know a lot of people don't like it, but it is the most nutritious. Um, and again, seasonal vegetables are very cheap, especially from the green grocers. Um, fish tends to be cheaper than meat, so eat fish, you don't have to eat bass, which we're all eating tonight, but you can eat cheaper, cheaper meats, cheaper fish, sorry. Um, a lot of people, I mean, whenever people in, in Belize countries say, I can't afford to eat these diet, you say, I see them how many times do you have a takeaway a week? And they say, mm, once or twice, there's nine takeouts a minute. So I say to them, well, don't have a takeout, buy some decent food, and that tends to sort it out. Yeah, I forgot to mention types of foods, but I always make sure I got my avocados, my spinach. Uh, you know, for me, they are like the first things I, I look for on Monday. So uh, lots of green vegetables. Um, and then when you finish the green vegetables, have a few more. And then have a few more. Okay. Next question. What do you think about the plant-based diet from the China study? Big sigh. Okay, Mark, go on then. Uh, China study, huge study. It was um, basically knocking the uh, paleo community. It was saying that vegetarian diet is the best diet, etc. It's an extremely flawed study. It's, it's too difficult for me to explain how, how badly it was flawed, but it was an incredibly flawed study. Uh, it's got a lot of news um, saying that vegetarian diets are the best diet. The bottom line is, out of a vegetarian diet, it's very, I mean, if you're vegetarian for a reason, for a moral reason, fine, go with it. But it's very difficult to get certain nutrients from a vegetarian diet. It's easier than if you're a vegan. If you're a vegan, you're really struggling because you, you're not going to get a lot of the essential amino acids, B12, etc. But the China study is not a, a foolproof, clever study. It was it was written with the aim to make, to make a book and make lots of money, not to be good science. And there's a lot of very, very, very bad science out there. And China's big one. Okay, don't mince words. Okay, so I think a plant-based diet, if you, you know, I, I like to have vegetables just on a Monday. I think there's a lot to be said for vegetarianism, but I couldn't do it full-time. Okay, so I do a bit of part-time vegetarianism, and um, I find, uh, you know, that's going to give you the best of both worlds. But I'm not against a plant-based diet. <clears throat> There's lots of things you can get from it, but you know, you're going to crash and burn at some point. Next question, Mark. Do we advise decreasing fruit for inflammatory disease, arthritis, and eczema? Yes. Um, not really. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I Fruit is um, it's full of vitamins, minerals, etc. But you only really want to take two pieces a day, two uh, two handfuls of berries or two pieces of fruit. I don't think there's many other things to reduce for an eczema diet. If you've got the first thing you go through is gluten, then you go through dairy, then you try things called nightshades. Um, you can get a um, you can also go and pay for an expensive uh, food profile to see if you're um, allergic to anything. But um, fruit is one of the ones I come across that is really bad for, for eczema, etc. It tends to be gluten, dairy, nitrogen. Yeah. Um, my uh, answer was just based on the weight gain and the insulin yes. you get through excess yeah. of fruit more than two pieces. But as you said, it don't necessarily directly affect the, uh, those two diseases directly. Um, eczema, just to put it out there. 
seen some good results with sodium bicarbonate in the bath. Have you heard of that? No. Alkalizing salts is a product that you use and put half a tub of alkalizing salts in a bath and it's really helped um, a couple of people. I had that one from Phil Richards. Okay, this one is from a recent Ironman finisher. Very uh, big uh, round of applause for that, I think. <laughs> 15 bloody hours he was out. Swimming uh, 2.5 miles, is that right? Biking. 112, I mean, running a marathon, eh? just to, to finish off, you know, because you want to know. So, what foods would you recommend for endurance sports if we're supposed to cut out carbs? Okay, let's clarify weight loss, cut out carbs, performance, carbs are important, okay? So, for me, I have a higher carbohydrate diet, as should you, so you can eat them three times a day. All right, really important. So, um, good question, and it's nice to be able to clarify that for everybody. Leaner you are, as a general rule, more carbs. Higher your body fat, less carbs. Yeah? Fine. Getting it. I didn't know whether we guessed what these looks like we're gonna. I'm just reading the question, sorry. Treatment and prevention ideas regarding high insulin levels. We mentioned many minimum minim, whose questions this? Anybody help me? Sugar as a prevention. Oh, right, okay. You mentioned minimizing sugar as a prevention, sorry. Would you treat with drugs for a patient that was morbidly obese in relation to fat? So, there are a vast number of so-called fat-busting drugs out there. The, the commonest one that doctors prescribe is something called Orlistat, Xenicol. Uh, there are all sorts of things, from raspberry extract to God knows what, that's poor to be able to make you lose weight. None of them, all is that included, will help you lose weight in the long term. The only way to lose weight in the long term is to follow a low carbohydrate, high fat, relatively medium protein diet. And if you do that, you will lose weight. Any of those other things, complete waste of time. We have people on all that, they lose weight and then they gain it back. They lose weight, they gain it back. It's a complete waste of time. Stick to a proper diet and you will uh, lose weight quite easily. So that the food is more powerful than the, the, the drugs there. Don't tell everybody, Mike. Okay, no, no, that's right, tell everybody. <laughs> okay, eat less, exercise more is a central um, point of physical and nutritional education in schools, particularly GCSEP with the energy balance equation, energy in, energy out equals weight staying the same. Does... <coughs> The content of the national curriculum and GCSE AS A-level courses need amending to reflect the truth. Will this lead to greater understanding for youngsters leading uh, to the busy? Fantastic information and uh, it's a good point and, and yeah, it doesn't change your mark. Um, it's a difficult one because you can't change. GPs, doctors, endocrinologists, politicians, dietitians, all report to the exercise, report to the energy equation. Exercise, increase your exercise, decrease your calories. It's a very, very big thing to change. It's like trying to change a trawler, a trawler tanker going right. It takes four miles to turn a tanker. It's going to take an awful long time to get the GPs, politicians, um, vested interests, food companies, etc., to change. It started with not having fizzy drinks in schools, that's working. 
next, I mean, Jamie Oliver tried it with decent school dinners. It is slowly moving that the right way, but the basic eat, eat less, exercise more thing has got to disappear before we can get any further. It is slowly changing. Every little step changes. There's now, I mean, in the BMJ, there's been a lot of articles about sugar is bad. There's very few articles about fat being bad now. So things are moving slowly, but it takes an awful long time. It's probably going to be 20 years before we see um, schools having, yeah, and there's curriculum changing. I mean, dietitians haven't changed yet. GPs haven't changed yet. So it's going to take an awful long time. And things like this are slowly moving. You lot will go out and tell people sugar is the bad thing, not fat. And it slowly moves. Takes time. Yeah, it's good. Uh, the generation should get better, but uh, the information being given out by anybody who is related to the government, including what you're supposed to give out, is that. So it's, you know, there's a big change happening, but it's like a port turning around, and it's a bit, uh, so the, the private sector is a bit ahead of the game in this at the moment, isn't it? That's why Mark is jumping ship, yeah. Okay, question from Leslie, the only one who put her name. Oh, um, Leslie's 21, Leslie, your name, uh, yeah? Almost 21. Almost 21, sorry, Leslie. <coughs> Acid reflux, we've been through this on the podcast, Leslie, so you've got to have a listen to that one because Mark suffered from this. Symptoms of acid reflux, if you're not sure, and what's the sort of cure, Mark? You are the expert on this one. Uh, acid reflux, I suffered with it for... 25 years perhaps, and my brother suffers with it, my father suffered with it. It's, some people are more prone to it than others. I mean, my other brother doesn't get it at all. But it's basically a disturbance where you get acid coming up from your stomach into your food bite. It can present with things as simple as just coughing all the time. Some people have a persistent cough, some people get the classic heartburn, some people just get a jippy tummy. Um, Treatment for it is to sort out your diet. I know anything comes back to diet this, this tonight, but it is sort out your diet. The things that tend to make your reflex worse are uh, alcohol, unfortunately, um, bread, anything with gluten in it, um, and dairy affects some people. So if you've got reflux, get rid of um, anything with gluten in it, get rid of dairy, cut down your alcohol, and for sure don't smoke. Smoking is the worst thing for it. So if you do those things, you should better get rid of your reflex. Now, if anyone's on the PPI, the Emepris on that, I'm sure at least 20% of people in this room will be on a PPI of some sort, and that is our lands up as our low sec, Nexium or whatever. I was on two a day, and if you stop them, you have to do something about it, because what you get is a rebound extra acid. So you think, oh, I'm doing all these things, I stopped my Nexium or my Emepresol or my low sec, I'm getting worse. Take some Gaviscon or antacid, and it will. And in about two weeks, that will get better. So, if you want an episode, you want to stop it. You want to change your diet. Stop the episode, but take something else and take bottles of the Gaviscon. I take two bottles a day of Gaviscon just to stop my reflux when I stop the episode, and then your diet kicks in and you're fine. I, I don't. I occasionally get out by now when I take alcohol. Can I, can I just say, yeah. Yeah, it can do. Yeah, I started taking acidophilus, four million parts, and that's yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So what was that, Leslie? You had trouble with the metrosol, but probiotics worked. There we yeah. go. Great. So that's a natural approach there. Great. Thank you. That's nice to hear that. Another question from Leslie. Um, how much exercise if you're 16 years old? So a lot of people here now have got kids and stuff, and I do work with some young people, and 
know, less is more, certainly, but if you're involved in any sort of uh, representative sport, football or rugby and these sorts of things, then these kids can end up doing quite a lot. So what I would say is the rest and the food is probably more important than the exercise. So make sure he's really well nourished um, and he's getting tons of rest and he's not burning the candle sort of thing. And plus he's giving a load of crap because that's what will make him kind of go down before we'll put the exercise. The kids are pretty bomb proof when he's 15, 16. They can, they can do, you know, probably five, 10 hours a week probably without, you know, and then we keep them full of food. When you say that, man. Yeah, fine. So, yeah, um, just manage him as a as a person rather than his stuff, you know. It's hard work as a parent, I know. Last question. <clears throat> Do too many people commit themselves to failure by setting impossibly high goals at the outset of any diet or exercise program? Yes, I would agree with that, that too many people do uh, fail because they over kind of set their goals or they, they aim a bit too high. The, the basic thing I get people to do before I allow them to go on and try anything with regards to setting goals is the COTC diet. And listen to this, cut out the crap. Right, once you've nailed that diet, come and see me for something new and I'll move you on. But until you can get to the point where you cut out all the crap, stuff that Mark says, fizzy drinks, processed foods, all the, the inflammatory stuff, there's no point talking about all the other stuff. Okay, get the basics right first, and then you can move on now with your journey. Okay, happy with that, Mark? Yeah. Okay, um, because you're here now, you know, after have a little kind of fun to finish off. So thank everybody for coming. Uh, thanks for your questions for this week's podcast. <coughs> If you've got any more questions now that come up sort of to your mind uh, while we're here, you're welcome to hand me a little piece of paper and we'll record those questions on the next episode of the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for coming. I'd like to thank Mark. I'd like to thank you, the cameraman, who's been sweating profusely around the place here for the last few hours. So thank you, Hugh, and thank you to his wife, Zoe. Thank you to Mitzi for the food. <coughs> I know we haven't finished it, but thank you very much. And after the food, we're going to have a game of heads and tails. All right, they're going to win a prize. So, speak to you in half an hour. You, Me and the GP Radio Show is intended for general information purposes and is not meant to diagnose, treat or cure any disease. It is not designed to provide specific advice and anyone with a medical problem should seek the advice from their own doctor. Please note, We accept absolutely no responsibility if you turn into a fitter, stronger, more energetic and all-round better version of yourself. To get the show notes, just head on over to richard-clark.co.uk.